Good morning, everyone. Um, so good to be with you. I am stepping in and teaching um, on behalf of my wife. Um, she asked me a few weeks if I'd do this, and I said, of course. Always anxious to be able to share. Um, now, all, all four of you have the uh, ha handout here, and this is a familiar topic, but um, this is not something that um, I just was sitting around. I thought, man, this would be a great thing to, to really look at. This, this message came through a dream about two weeks ago. Well, roughly a week and a half, two weeks ago. And I remember the environment that I was in, and there were others around. I know Pastor was in it, um, and, and I, I noticed several other people from here that were in this dream, and, and, and I, I wasn't quite sure, but it felt like we were in the sanctuary on the platform, and out of my spirit, I kept hearing the message, I, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and it just kept coming out, rolling out, and I, it, you know, it, it wasn't me, it was the, the voice of the Lord on the inside of me, and it represents you know, I, I really felt that that God's going to begin to do this as we move forward in this year in really phenomenal ways where no human is going to be able to say, hey, I was present and I spoke this message and all this happened. You know, we tend to do that because we're carnal and <laughs> we tend to tie outpourings to individuals just because they, they delivered the message or they were or they were there and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that it's good to make connectives there it's kind of like the glory of the Lord you know surrounding the the, 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 the messenger that God sent to deliver something so um, as long as we keep that in perspective but what I felt with this and it's really interesting, too, the time frame that we're in. You know, I know Pastor spoke Wednesday night on, on the evangelist, and um, I was listening to that. I always like to listen to those in, in, in warp speed, 2x speed. You know, it's kind of, he's like a chipmunk now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of like he is. I like to listen to things in 2x because I can get done with it in 25 minutes versus an hour. I'm all about t saving time and making things more efficient. Um, now, you know, um, so if I can save that time, that's what I do. But it's really, um, it's really interesting because he was talking about, all, you know, historically, you know, how the evangelist is always kind of prone to have his highs and lows or, you know, up and down, you know, a lot really bizarre behavior um, a lot of times, not always. But I started thinking about um, this, this dream, and I thought, you know, Lord, this is a this is to me this is the solution for everything in our world this is it and that's a very simplistic view but just the title of this message you guys know it's straight from scripture old testament and new and there's more to the dream but i knew that this is our this is a mate this is this is the central part of our message. Everywhere we go, it encompasses a lot of things, and it, it includes sonship, 
It includes diversities of tongues, all, all of the above. But this is the main message that we proclaim all over the world. We may not say it like this, but this is what God says he's going to do. He didn't say, I might do this. He didn't say, well, you know, if, if they act right, I'll, I'll do this. He says, we, we always, you know, focus on the I wills of Satan, right? We need to start focusing on the I wills of, of what God says he's going to do. And, and we do. I'm not saying we don't. But I started looking at this in a different light. And as we go through this, you know, I had some ideas in, my, in, my, in the back of my mind what, what this phrase means. But the Lord's kind of expanded on it. Um, and we'll get to that in just a minute. So, so what I started doing is I, I just pulled up my Bible program, and I, and I typed in, started searching, pour out. I, I knew Joel 2 was going to be in this. I knew Acts 2. But I wanted to see the other places where poured out is used. And, you know, I've got, it's used 115 times in the Old Testament. Um, and its its primary meaning means to spill forth, which indicates a pouring out of something. And it's translated poured out, shed, pour, cast, and even uh, in one instance or a couple of them, it's it's to gush out. And and then in the in the New Testament, when you look up pour pour out, <clears throat> it's ekcheo, and it means to pour forth, and it's used about twenty eight times. And so in the Old Testament, you've got examples of this where when it's used, it's talking about pouring out of water and the water turning into blood. Uh, it talks about the pouring out of, um, in one instance, there was an angel that came and poured out broth. And then throughout the Psalms, you've got people that are pouring out their, their soul or, and in other places, pouring out their heart. And then there are a lot of references in, in Ezekiel where it speaks of God pouring out his indignation or his wrath. And I believe, according to Revelation 16, now when he starts to do that, I'm not really sure. I just know that the enemy's been pouring out his agenda. I mean, when you think about it, he really has. I mean, and God is allowing it. He's looking and, he, you know, the enemy thinks he's got everything under control. He thinks he's in control of this world. But soon God is going to change the, the, the way things look. And it's going to last for a time frame. And, and, and we just need to recognize that when this earthquake comes and it changes the fabric of everything on this earth, we're going to be the ones that are going to, going to notice it and, 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 and ride out this spiritual wave. And then it's going to stop. And then I believe Revelation 16 is going to really begin to visit the earth where the wrath of God is being poured out. When these ain't, because, you know, I don't know what you've been seeing and I don't know what you've been experiencing as you pray, but the temple is very active and, and different angelic beings are mobilizing. And, and, and what I'm talking about here is the partnership with the seven angels coming out of the temple in the end times. They're coming with these vials and they're, pour, they're going to be pouring them out into the earth. And there, there are specific things that are going to be happening. 
God's, God's intent is always to bring people to himself. I mean, he's not doing it because he, you know, he hates mankind. He, we can't think that way. God never does something in a, um, a sinful way. It's not he doesn't have a wrong motive of why he does things. His motives are always pure and they're always perfect. They're there's no sin attached to what God does. Some people look at it and go, well, well, why would God pour out wrath? Well, I don't really, so I don't have some answers to this. But I do know that he is, he is going to be pouring out his spirit all over this world where no human being is going to be able to go, hey, that's because of our us or that's because of me or that's because I was there preaching this message. He's just going to start to do this. And we got to be quick to recognize um, the effects or the results of his, his outpouring. It's prophecy, it's dreams, it's visions, but it's going to be much more than that. We need to be able to identify when we hear of something happening in Mongolia or some other, the Netherlands, wherever it's going to be. You just, Mongolia. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why I mentioned that, but I, I won't say. Um, Stacy might go to Antarctica. She, you know, who knows? Greenland or somewhere in there, you know. But I guess what I'm saying is we're so now partnership is a part of this. I'm not saying that God doesn't want partners. We we know he does. He wanted to create Adam and Eve because he wanted partners in the earth. And he wanted to fellowship with uh, his creation. But what I am saying are the things that he's going to do in pouring out his spirit it's not going to be any human around. It's just going to happen. <laughs> and that's great because he can do that all over the world simultaneously. And nobody has to be there. And considering our lockdown modes, <laughs> that's kind of great. We, we need that kind of intervention by God to just say, you know what? You guys have been praying for this. And it is connected to our prayers. Don't get me wrong. But he's just going to start to do this more so than we see and we know right now. And I really felt in that dream, I mean, it was, I mean, we were heralding that message, I will pour out my spirit. And then he took it a step further, though. He's targeting all flesh. Now, all flesh has taken on new meaning for me. You know, a lot of times in our human thinking, we think, oh, that just means all people, right? I want you to think of it, and it does, but there's more to it than that. The word for flesh here means, is, is the Greek word sarks. And so he had me really focused on that term and that phrase on all flesh. Notice what he didn't say. <laughs> he didn't say, and I know I'm going to step on some toes here. He didn't say on white Caucasians. He didn't say on Black Lives Matters. He didn't say this. He didn't say that, did he? He didn't do any labels at all. Why? God doesn't look the way man looks. We know that scripture, right? But why is it we can so easily get wrapped up in all of this stuff that's going on in the earth that is so sarks-like, it's fleshly, and so God sees all of that, and I, and I know he, when he says he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh, he's talking about not only human beings, but the the works of the flesh that is so crazy around us right now. 
those, those tendencies that we have. So we think about a lot of times, oh, God's going to pour out his spirit into my spirit, right? Yeah, but it's more than just that. It, the, the sarks is weak, right? Now, I, I, I'm going somewhere with this. and Hopefully, you're seeing the expansion of this. I hadn't thought of it like this before. I only thought of it as he's going to make sure every human being, his spirit's poured out upon them. And that's true, but there's much more to it than that. The spirit, his spirit inside of us is not affected by those carnal tendencies. There's that war that's going on inside of us. The flesh is weak, but the pneuma inside us is willing. The pneuma inside us is always wanting to move forward and breathe hard after what he wants. That's what it means. Pros, uh, uh, th thymos. Moving forward and, and breathing hard after his passion. That's what that means. So our spirit is not affected by a lot of the stuff that it, our body and our soul is. And so when he says he's going to do this on all flesh, he's, he's looking. He sees the hatred that's in this country right now. He sees all the variance that's going on in this country right now. He sees all the, the yuck, the muck. He sees every bit of that. And so he looks and he goes, you know what? I'm going to pour out my spirit and I'm going to target all of that. I want, I want that to come into alignment with my spirit. Does that make sense? I know it's kind of a different take, but it's there. If you study the word sarks, and I encourage you to do it, the works of the sarks are this, and he listed out all in, in, in Galatians 5. It is referencing human beings, but I'm saying God, God wants his spirit to affect a human being in body, soul, and spirit every way. That's what our country needs. That's what every country needs. That's what every individual needs. But even that, though, we know our carnal nature or the, the Sark's nature in all of us is still going to exist. There is a scripture that says the flesh or the Sark's is always lusting against the pneuma, right? Right? Paul talked about it. He talked about the war that went on inside of him, about how he wanted to do things that were right, but there was something inside him that always leaned to do something, uh, go the other direction. He's talking about the law, but he's talking about also the, the, the Sark's nature within inside him and the pneuma of God within him too. I mean, that is a war in and of itself. That's a three-headed war, right? I mean, it's crazy, but we face that. And so I, I remember, I think Pastor was saying Wednesday night, you know, how, you know, we really need to believe for a breakthrough type of um, cure for, for God doing things. This is it. This is one way right here. And, and God, in, I don't, you know, we know dreams are very significant, and I know he's, he's going to do this. He's pouring out. He said, I will do this. And so I want to look at a few scriptures with the remaining time that we have and let's just look at this with the idea of God pouring out his spirit on all all sarks includes individuals it includes human beings it includes nations but it also includes that old carnal nature and those desires that are just so 
apparent in all of us and really prevalent in, in our government and really prevalent in all these groups and all these labels and everybody rising up with, a, with, with the, the social injustices and everything like that. God's not looking at those things. He, when he said, he, don't get me wrong, he can see all of that. He's not blind to it. But what I'm saying is he's more focused on what's in the heart inside David than the actual adultery that he, he, got, he, he involved himself with. God could see much deep. He sees much deeper into people than what we see with our eyes. We judge with the eye. He judges in, by the heart, right? And so that's kind of what we're saying here. And so God's looking over planet Earth, and he's looking into churches and over every place where we're gathered as saints, and he's going, I'm going to be pouring out my spirit upon all flesh. So let's look at Proverbs 1 verse 23 and so i just pulled out these verses that had pour out my ruach or numa and this one i put in uh, uh brackets here this is in connection with wisdom in verses 20 through 22 i didn't put that there but you can go back and look at that he says turn you at my reproof behold i will pour out my ruach unto you and look what happens as, as he does that he says i will make yada Make known unto you my debar words unto you. That's great, man. I mean, if we if we go back and remember studies on debar, you know, it's gaining words in the wilderness that lead to dominion. Is really what that is. And it, it it's all connected. It's one of those uh, those signs or or results of how do you know God's pouring out His ruach on somebody? Well, first of all, He starts to uh, make known unto us. Words that lead us into dominion. And that's really, that's amazing, right? I mean, do you think about everything we've done here? This, this is a part of it. And I just think that's really cool about how things don't have, people don't have to be perfect to receive his spirit. You know, there, there's a lot of myths that are even in the church. Um, and God, he didn't mention anything about perfection here, because if he did, none of us would be filled with his spirit, right? Because <laughs> we are so imperfect. He is not looking for perfection, but he is looking for a heart that is desirous of knowing him, and he will, he will pour out his spirit in this way. And so I started reading Joel 2, and I read the entire chapter. So um, I've done that before, but it's it's... You know, the time frame that we're in is flavored with different types of understandings that come during that time frame. But I encourage you to go back and read verses 1 through 27 because they lead up to this outpouring. It's very interesting. But uh, we don't have time to do that today. But in Joel 2, 28, it says, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out. Pour out is the Hebrew word uh, naba, and it just means the gush forth. Or, to, or something that's emitted. Um, so it has the connotation of, um, uh, of just a gushing forth of something. And what is that? My Ruach, and it's directed towards all flesh. Same terminology. So this is the prophetic promise spoken through Joel that's going to come forth and be really manifested in Acts 2. Can I stop you for a second? Sure. So the Ruach comes upon a first 
Nuwak. Yeah, Nuwak. Saruwak is the general term of the uh, spirit. spirit. That's why I wanted yep. to, to clarify that because I was thinking, wait, that would that would mean something completely different, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. But anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt. But no, I no, that's okay. Yep. So, so the uh, spirit there, ruach, is uh, now. It's interesting too because God could have said He could have poured out anything He wanted to, right? But He's focused on the the very nature of who He is, and He's targeting flesh. And then He says, and then He starts to tell us some of some of the flesh that He's mentioning here. So I don't want anybody to think I'm not, I'm not referring to flesh as skin. I mean, it does refer to that. It does. But I'm saying it also refers to hatred, the works of the flesh. He's pouring out his spirit on that and saying, you know what? I'm not hate. I'm peace, joy, agape. So that's, that's what he, I mean, he, our government and, and people that are, I'm, I'm really alarmed at what's going on. And I know you are too. But I know God's going to work it out. I don't know how. I don't know what's going to, what our country's going to look like from two to five years from now. But we just have to trust that God knows exactly what's going on. And without that, I don't know what people, I don't, know, I don't see how they're going to make it or survive. It says, your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. And the emphasis of this teaching is not on that. We've heard that a zillion times. It's important. Old men are going to dream dreams. Young men will see visions, but I do want to mention something here. Um, you know, vision, vision is one thing, but to see the vision, what, you know, to ra'ah vision, what does that mean? I mean, if we study ra'ah again, it means being able to not only have the vision, but being able to discern the tobe and the ra'ah that might be in that vision. That's what seeing visions here means. It's not just, oh, seeing heaven open, oh. Well, that's great, but you might see heaven and, and hell open at the same time and being able to know the difference between the two. So that, that's there. Um, so that's the first pouring out. The second one is, and, and also on, on, upon my servants and on my handmaids in those days, I will pour out my ruach. And, and I know this has been taught in the past, and... Um, there, there's, there's two pouring out here. There, there's, there's two of them. There's not just one, but there's two. You've got the first coming on sons, daughters, old men, and young men. And then on the servants and on the handmaids, all these are different uh, groups of people. There's the second one where he says, I'm going I'm to pour out my ruach upon them. And then he says, I will. Notice all the I wills here. I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth. And then he tells us what those are. Blood, fire, and pillars of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the great and terrible day of Yahweh comes. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of Yahweh will be delivered. And, or, or for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as Yahweh has said, and in the remnant whom Yahweh shall call. So I just. What do you think people are going to do when they start receiving visions and they're not believers or dreams? But they start prophesying. I mean, I, don't you try to envision what that would look like? I mean, it says the spirit we poured out on all flesh, 
And it doesn't seem to be, like you said, it's not discriminatory. So we're talking about just a worldwide pandemic of vision. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? It's a worldwide, yeah. just see, think about the pandemic that didn't just touch one people group or one nation. It touched the whole world. Well, that's what this is saying it's going to do. I mean, everyone. So what is really going to, what's it going to look like if people start having dreams and visions and prophesying and they don't know from whence this stuff is coming? Are, are their hearts going to be open? I mean, they're going to be receiving it. I just, how can you deny them the power of God when that starts happening? I mean, why is there only still just a remnant that is saved? I mean, I just, I just can't. <laughs> well, I, th- I think if we, if, we go, if we go to answer that, I think one of the ways that this is going to happen is you got Cornelius and Peter, how, how everything was orchestrated. I mean, every detail. Here, here's um, uh, Cornelius, and, and an angel comes in and starts telling him, I, I, you know, your, your prayers and your alms, telling him specific details about what God has seen in, in this man's life. And he says, you know, send for uh, Peter, basically. And, and so here's Peter up on the housetop, and he's, and he's praying. He's, he's in uh, his prosciutto uh, prayer mode. <laughs> I mean, all this, cra- it's craziness. It's, it, it, it's, but this is the way God moves. And so he, that's how he's going to start to kind of connect us. It's not that we're going to, I'm debunking, and I'm using that term, because we don't have to be there humanly for God to pour out his spirit. We don't. I know there are people, when I was a kid, okay, I'm just, I'm referring back. I remember people would always like to associate an outpouring with a human being. They would always say, oh, well, when so-and-so was here, God did this. Who did it? The human or God? And all I'm saying is when we have, when you have a true, genuine encounter with God, you don't have that type of thinking in you. You come away from it totally in awe and, and humbled. But, but what I just mentioned kind of shows the carnality of humans. So when God says he's going to do it, it didn't involve any human being. He said, I will do this thing. And our part in this, that's God's job right here. I can't pour out God's spirit, neither can you. We can talk about him doing it, and when he says something he's going to do, nothing's going to stop it. I don't care. The enemy, the enemy's tried to stop a lot of things with this COVID crap. Sorry for that language, but he just, he's trying to do that. And God's gearing up and saying, you know what? Ain't happening. I'm letting it happen, but it's coming to an end. And I'm going to do this, and it is going to be far more reaching than anything COVID's ever done. And so that's what I'm believing for. Based off that dream in the sanctuary, on the platform, proclaiming this message, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He didn't mention prophecy. He didn't mention dreams. He didn't mention visions. That'll come. The emphasis is his spirit impacting people all over the world, and we don't have to be there physically. Thank God, because we can't afford it financially, (laughs) unless he provides it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying with that? So we need to believe that God's going to visit Cornelius with an angelic representative. And we need to believe that God's directing Peter to go up on the housetop to pray and bring them, bring them together. 
And then Peter proclaims the message, and then the entire household is affected. We're going to get to that here in just a minute. But um, I, I'm really excited about to see how God's going to do this and when he's going to manifest this. Well, I mean, doesn't it also say, though, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered? Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. So there has to be a response yeah. to the visitation. Yep, in the, in the midst of all the, um, the blood, fire, pillars of smoke, the, the, the moon turning into blood. Yeah, all of those things that are going on. Um, the heavens and the earth being impacted by it. Yeah, there is a response. You know, Mark, I, think, I think the enemy, like you said uh, about the I wills, I think the enemy, as much as he detests God, he recognizes that what you're saying is going to happen. And so, you know, I've been doing a lot of study, probably too much, because it's, I feel like I'm going into a nuclear zone and I have to detox when I come out, studying about a lot of these progressive ways in the progressive church of tapping into the spirit realm. And they say it in, that if it, they, they are training people to receive things. But there's no devotion to God. There's no devotion to the scripture. There's no devotion to any sense of purpose. But, but they're teaching people uh, how to enter into the spirit and sense this cosmic Christ or whatever they want to call yeah. it. And so it's almost like the enemy is getting this progressive army ready for that outpouring. Now, there can be, and we know there will be, you just referenced about Cornelius, God speaking directly like he did to Paul. You, you know, don't stop, you stop kicking against me. You know, you, you need to come and, and serve me. But there's going to be a whole lot of people in this old flesh who are just going to receive it, and the enemy is going to be right there to try to turn it. And I think that's going to be, perhaps the impetus for the beast, the false prophet, the antichrist, because they'll get this influx from the throne, mm -hmm. but they'll use it in a bad, wow. nefarious way. Mm -hmm. yep. So it's but true. you can see how, you know, like, you know, this, these visions, and, you know, this is perfect. It's a wonderful rhema you've got here from the Lord. But you can see it's coming to all flesh, and a lot of that flesh is being trained right now for how to receive these things independent of the word and independent of a devotion to God and independent for anything we hold dear. Mm -hmm. And they'll just take it just like the enemy does and twist in a steme. And, you know, oh, there's an anointing here at, at Sinai. Well, let's get going on the bottom of the hill here and let's make yeah. this golden calf. Right, right. You know? Mm -hmm. And that is, that, this is a really important word you've got. Yeah, those, those are all great points. Um, but back to what Fran was referencing, yeah, those, the, there, there is a response. And to those that respond, deliverance is coming. I mean, that's there. Uh, but also, you'll, you'll notice, too, that Joel mentions there, there's this remnant that's there, too. And in the remnant, whom, the, whom Yahweh's going to call. Um, I looked at that word, but I forgot to write it down. Remnant, it doesn't mean just remaining ones. It's, there's something further there, but I forgot, so I, I won't mention that. But I, I did want to just kind of reference it, so maybe you could refer back to that. 
when you look at this verse. Okay, so now let's, let's kind of look at uh, Acts 2. I mean, this is very familiar to all of us. And I've uh, labeled this heading, Personal Outpourings of, of the Numa of the Spirit. And so I started reading, you know, from verse 1 all the way through. And I'm not going to go back and look at those first 13 verses, but I will try to just pull out some things that are, that are, that are very significant. And, and you know, in, in the Pentecostal movement, the assemblies of God, you know, there's, there's this emphasis on uh, speaking in tongues, and it should be. And, and the emphasis of... Um, all that are there are filled. All are filled. You know, this, this is for everyone because all are filled, right? And that's true. And then those that are on the other side, you know, don't even believe in it. And, uh, you know, it's for some people. It's not for everybody, you know. And then they reference their little scriptures that say something different. They take it out of context. So you read through all of that. What's interesting is is the environment when, when, when the Spirit's poured out first here. It's not anything but perfect, right? I mean, you do have the people that they're there in one accord. Uh, they're, 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 they're praying, they're interceding. But when the Spirit begins to visit suddenly, and that's kind of the way this is going to happen. It's, it's just going to happen suddenly, and we'll, we'll start to hear about it, and, and I'm talking about not just, not just a two-hour revival meeting where God visits his people and then lifts. <laughs> you know, the way we... Uh, I'm talking about God residing and abiding over his people uh, like he did in the tabernacle of David where he's there all the time, 24-7, and he's, and he's manifesting himself in different ways. I mean, sometimes, you know... I remember early on how his presence would be so strong among us that, you know, we're all on the floor. That's, that's one aspect, but we can't always be on the floor. We've got to get up and do something, right? We can't just all be as dead men, you know. We're not going to be worth anything if we're always on the... You hear what I'm saying? We, so that happens sometimes. His spirit can impact us in that way and we still be able to stand, Right? It doesn't have to always be just overtaking us to where we just can't stand to minister. And so here he is. He pours out his spirit. People start speaking in tongues, and there's a lot of different groups of people that are there. A lot of different opinions being said. Oh, this is, oh, man, these, I don't think this is really happening. How, how can this be? You know, you had the doubters that were there. You had mockers there. You had... Um, you had people that were receptive there speaking in these languages, and, and Galileans were there. They could hear their own language, and, and they, they, they were saying that they were magnifying God. It's just really, really incredible. And so it was anything but perfect. So God can step into any situation and just pour out his spirit. And you're still going to have doubters, you're still going to have mockers, you're still going to have naysayers, you're still going to have people going, well, well, that's not scriptural, that's not for today. That's okay, go ahead. God's still going to do it, and he's still going to visit his people. It doesn't matter. I mean, what do they think they're going to do? Do they think they're going to stop God from pouring out his spirit? I mean, what, 
No, that's absolutely absurd. But that's the environment that's going on. And then Peter comes to the forefront in verse 14. Standing up with the eleven, he lifted up his voice and he said to the people, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my rhema. Rhema words here. For these men are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my pneuma upon all flesh, sarks. And I, I kind of wrote out the definition there, and it, it can mean the you know the strip skin if we were to that's that's just part of it it can also flesh can refer to like in the old testament the meat of an animal human nature and that's that's the aspect of this that i hadn't really thought much about till now considering all the stuff that's going on in the earth all the hatred and all the division in the name of Oh, we need to come together and be unified. Well, why didn't you do that four years ago when you were trying to... So it's like you, you're speaking out of both ends of, you know, the attic and the basement here. It doesn't make any sense, but they don't want to... People that are doing that, they don't really recognize... I don't know why it is. Why is it so hard for humans to admit that they've done something wrong? It's so hard. About a week ago, something happened in my near family. And just out of nowhere, it erupted in not so good of a way. <laughs> and no one has made it right yet. It's just still out there like nothing ever happened. Why is it we can't? I say we, me, but include myself sometimes. Why we can't come up to say, man... You know, I sin there. I shouldn't have said that. You know, uh, I forgive me for, for even releasing those venomous words. But it's so hard for, for humanity. And that, that Sark's nature comes out in us. And so when, when I'm looking at this and I'm seeing all flesh here, I'm like, Lord, we need your spirit to visit every aspect of our human existence. Our mind, our body, our spirit, every part of who we are. And that's what he's doing with this. Now, I put Galatians 5, 19 through 21 in here and just, you know, put the works of the Sarks. And I just wrote down a couple of these things that kind of stood out to me. The works of the flesh are, one of them is hatred. Is there hatred going on in our country? Uh, the, uh, another one was variance. And variance is a, um, like quarreling and fighting and stuff like that. Is that going on in our country? Everybody's so wrapped up in um, their own labels, right? I hate labels. I can't stand them. I, I, I really can't. Because look at what labels do. Labels are meant to provide structure. Titles are meant for structure only. But people have taken it so far. And if they don't have a right title, boy, it just their, their whole self-esteem about themselves are just, oh, they're down in the dumps. I'm not a CEO. Of, 
My God, I wouldn't want to be a CEO anyway. You, you hear what I'm saying? Liberal, Democrat, Republican. Where do all these labels and names come from anyway? You think God's sitting up there going, hmm, that Dennis boy, he's a, he's a great conservative boy. Woo. He's a Republican boy. I'm a, do you think God, he doesn't think that way. There's nothing of that. I'm being facetious about this, but, but just showing us how humanity has gotten so far away from the way God thinks and the way he feels and the way he moves. God is focused on every person. How can God know something in advance like he did with David? Did, did, did God know that David was going to commit adultery with another woman? Absolutely. How can God say, this is a man that's after my heart, even before something like that happens? He just sees differently. He knew that David, he knew what David was going to do after he made that incredible mistake. He knew that David was going to repent. He knew that he was going to get back right. He knew that his heart was after God. So he sees totally, and that's why it's so important for all of us, and God's emphasized this for years, and he'll continue to do it from now to eternity. Continue to intercede. Be filled over and over again with my spirit because my spirit will keep us properly aligned. Praise God. His spirit can do that. And I'm, and I'm so grateful that he, he visits us in that way. And then Peter goes on to say, and your sons, oh, not Peter, yes, Peter, your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your young men are, will see visions. See visions here is optanomai, horasis. It means open visions. And your old men are going to dream dreams. And on your servants and on your handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. He didn't say he's going to pour out the spirit of Ron Crawford or Mark Burke or less. <laughs> I mean, it's just really interesting. I... We need God's spirit. We don't need the spirit of another man. And hear me when I say this. The spirit of Elijah, I understand that. But it's not about Elijah. It's about the, 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 the ruach or the pneuma that was inside him, which is God coming out of Elijah. That's what that means. We need God's spirit to help us all over the world. And I, and I know every one of you in here, it's like we've come to a point historically where I feel that, and again, in the dream, I'm trying to convey the feeling. It was, a, it was an immediacy. It wasn't something that I felt like we were going to have to wait for 10 more years. It was a now type of thing being revealed. We, we proclaimed, I, we, he's going to do this. Now, when it starts to happen... Is another story altogether. I mean, I don't have the timing on this. That's another aspect of this. But, and then he says in verse 18, and on my servants and handmaidens I will pour out of my spirit in those days. And there's that second outpouring again. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above, signs in earth beneath, blood, fire, vapor of smoke. The sun's going to be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before that great terrible day shall come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, or sozo. 
So there's that, that one of the words for healing and deliverance and salvation in the New Testament. Less. The butler and the baker, yep.
Yeah, I mean, servitude. servitude. Yeah, each one of those represents. I mean, are are you a handmaiden? I mean, see, that's another thing we could go down. We could trace. Does God see in a male feet? That's not the, uh, the the teaching here. Because, but some people they're always trying to they're always trying to find something wrong with the scripture. Oh well, he says. I don't want to, I don't want to trace, chase that rabbit, but it, it is there. So, you know, I agree with what you're saying. You know, the, one, the first outpouring is targeting all flesh and all that that entails. And then the second outpouring is on specific people that represent that they're, they're slave-like to, to God. And then a handmaiden would be a, a different type of, uh, of an individual and a calling, too. They're, they're different. I mean, it specifically shows it here. So no, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. He must have had that chariot, that chariot anointing where he outran it. But, but uh, <laughs> his mom prayed for him constantly. She sent him a letter. He had three times when he almost died there and in battle. And each time there was a letter that came the time of the mail, that the mail would take after that incident and said at this time in Albuquerque uh, I stopped what I was doing and I prayed for you all three times now he was not living for the Lord but that was proof that was proof and that's what I mean by a blessing that will prove Beyond the shadow of a doubt, God has poured out his blessing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. It really is. Um, to to those points, I do want to mention. Since we're talking about the flesh, it, it, in Galatians five, now I want to preface this by saying because what I'm about to say, I know it's going to be. Um, maybe you haven't thought of it this way, and I hadn't either again until now. But when you read the works of the flesh, just that phrase, we all fit in that category whether we're born again or not. Right? Wouldn't you say? <laughs> now, there's a, Paul is saying the Sarks and, and the Numa are at war with one another. And he lists all of the ones in there. And then he concludes it by saying, those that are, that are continually doing these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Inheriting the kingdom of God is not necessarily not making it into heaven. See what I'm saying? Because when you look at the word inherit, that means they're not going to be able to step into a point 
of, of heirship. It doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with salvation, is what I'm saying. So there can be people that I believe are born again, but yet they allow the works of the flesh to dictate everything that they do and they say, and you just have to listen to them and watch their actions to see that. They just won't be able to step into points of inheriting things that are associated with the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Paul says that exactly like that. And I thought, whoa, wait a minute. I've always thought inheriting the kingdom meant, oh, you're not going to uh, make it into heaven. If that's the case, none of us are going to get there, right? If we think that way, because the works of the flesh, we fight this too. There's times where I feel hatred rise up in me. There's times where, have you ever been in a fight with anyone? That's a work of the flesh. <laughs> so it cannot mean that. It just means they're still going to be in an infant-like state in their, their relationship and not being able to be an heir and then not, not even get anywhere near being a joint heir, right? Just something to think about. So when God pours out his spirit, all these things happen, and then I started continuing to read Acts 2. And that's, this is page two. The results of the pouring out of his spirit upon all flesh. How did the people during this time frame know that that had happened? Verse 42 through 47 shows it. Number one, they continued steadfastly in apostolic doctrine. <laughs> Sign number one. And if you look at continued steadfastly, it's from the word pros. And it means they were very earnest towards something. They were very diligent. They, 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 they held very closely to something. And what is that? Apostolic doctrine. Apostolic instruction. That's the first indicator or the first result of His Spirit being poured out upon all flesh. It's, yeah, teaching, instruction. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's, it's the Hebrew word dadash means instruction and then, and then the second thing was fellowship koinonia and this is not we, we all know from previous teaching koinonia is fellowshipping with God spirit to spirit it doesn't have anything to do oh brother said I have a meal here that's not the fellowship it's that spiritual communion back and forth with God in spirit and then we come into some of the breaking of the bread and Prayers, prosuke type prayer. Four different things that are results of his spirit being poured upon all flesh at this time frame. And I believe those are four areas that will be indicators that God is doing this across the world. People will focus on apostolic instruction. They, they will focus on, there will be a major emphasis on commune with God. There will be this breaking of bread. You know, that, that, that part is the fellowshipping with one another. And then there's going to be an emphasis on prosciutto prayer. And prosciutto, I just put the definition there for you. Very simple. It's when we're praying the, uh, to, to go forward. About, we're praying about the progressive things that are moving us forward in what God wants to do. And he reveals that through this type of prayer. And verse 43 says, when that is happening, fear came upon every soul. 
Not every spirit, not every body. The soulish part of who we are. And I believe the soulish part here includes the flesh. It, it's there. And then many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And then all that believed were together. They had all things common. And they sold their possessions and good and parted with them as every man had need. So basically, whenever a need arised in the early church here, people did what it took to meet the need. Whether it's selling something or giving, I mean, whatever was needed, they came together, right? How many times have we done that? God's pouring out His Spirit upon us. He's been doing this, but the worldwide scope of this is, is, is what, what the Lord has focused on this morning. COVID is coming to an end, and His Spirit is going to be poured out. We'll remember COVID, remember COVID, but we're also going to remember the time frame where God said, I'm going to invade the earth with my Spirit. I am going to do this. And then it continues to say, and they continued, pros carterio, daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness, singleness of heart, praising God, and finding carice with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. So these are results of him pouring out his spirit. And I'm going to conclude by just touching on this last part here in the last few minutes. I mentioned Cornelius and his household, and this is, this is the chapter here where it speaks of the pouring out of the saintly wind. So basically, Peter is led to come into the house of Cornelius, and as he's there, he opens his mouth, and he starts to release, release a truth. And, and part of that message was that God is no respecter of persons. Whew, wow. <laughs> Boy, that's another message for the day, right? For, the, for, our, for everybody. Is, we need to, we, everywhere we go, our message is God wants to pour out his spirit upon you. God is no respecter of persons. We, we don't need to use a lot of verbiage where we talk about, we just need to get rid of the labels. We do. We don't need to, you know, hey, I'm a, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican. It doesn't matter. God's no respecter of persons. He wants to visit you with his spirit. And his spirit will bring freedom. His spirit is not about bondage. He wants to cause people to step into joy. He does not want hatred to, to lead people. He doesn't want our country quarreling and fighting all the time. None of those things that are going on out in our, our world right now that are of that side is from God. It's from the carnal nature. Yes, the enemy's involved, but we need to be the voice of the Lord in the earth that says, I am pouring out my spirit upon you as a person, regardless of your skin color. See, you know how, you know how humans focus on that? God's not worried. He doesn't look at my skin color and would say, well, man, that Mark, that white guy there, I don't know about him. I can't pour my spirit out upon him. He doesn't think in pigmentation. He doesn't. How? I mean, it's so ludicrous that we've, we've allowed such things had to happen. But my goodness, let us learn from it, you know? When I look at people, when I look at all of you, I don't look at, I just don't look at skin color. I don't. 
if you're spewing hatred and you happen to be um, of, a, of a different per complexion, it's just hatred, right? Mark, it doesn't have anything to do with age either. It doesn't, no. Our, our grandchildren are all three on the other side of the fence. Yep, it, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, in fact, if you know, in this in this Acts ten here, Paul's proclaiming to them about Jesus of Nazareth. He said he's he's been there's an anointing that he had with the saintly wind and dunamis, and it was for a specific purpose. Number one, he went about doing good. Number two, he went about around healing the AOMI, bringing cures to those individuals that were oppressed by the devil. So when we have an anointing with the saintly wind and dunamis, it's meant to focus on the good in the kingdom and then to bring cures to people and release them from oppression. That's of the devil. And then he goes through and he says a few more things. And then in verse 44, while Peter spake these rhema words, the saintly wind fell on all of them which heard. And they of the circumcision and believed were astonished and, and came to Peter and said, because the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the saintly wind. They heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. There you go. So I'm, I'm done here. I'm, I'm, I'm well done. And the last part there, you, you guys are familiar with that. I, I encourage you just to go back and read that about how the pouring out of the, the wrath of God is, is coming as well. And um, so, Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to be able to share with your people. And I pray that we will all continue to be encouraged by your word because you are pouring out your spirit upon all flesh. I thank you for this, and I ask you to do all this in Jesus' name. Amen.